FedEx Forum, Growl Towels, Super Grizz, each one a Memphis Grizzlies tradition. This is the Grizzlies Podcast. Welcome back to the Commercial Appeals Memphis Grizzlies Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, Commercial Appeal Sports Columnist. I'm joined, as always, by DeMichael Cole, our Grizzlies beat writer at the CA. Uh, we are coming to you uh, a day after breakdown day uh, for the Grizzlies, a few days after they uh, lose game six to the Golden State Warriors uh, in the Western Conference semifinals, and their season came to an end. A, a fantastic season um, that, you know, will we'll probably ended with some what ifs that we will uh, get into here in a second. But we'll, we'll talk about the end of the season, uh, the playoff series against the Warriors. And also uh, some thoughts on the offseason that lies ahead for the Grizzlies now that they have established themselves as uh, true contenders uh, in the NBA. Uh, and, and, you know, what we think is, you know, this is just, we you know, the feeling everyone seems to have is this is just the beginning uh, for this Grizzlies team, even though the season has come to an end. Uh, DeMichael, let's start, though, um, with this playoff run and then we'll go into the offseason thoughts um your takeaways from a series against golden state in which you know obviously memphis loses 4-2 they play the last three games without john morant they play the last two or the first two games without stephen adams they play essentially two games without dylan brooks uh because of an ejection and a suspension um and there are two games that could have really gone either way uh, and did not go in the Grizzlies' favor, speaking of games one and game four. Um, what do you make of what transpired? It's a series you could easily talk yourself into, you know, the Grizzlies should have won it. Um, what are your takeaways now that we, now that the season's over from, from this series? What did you learn about these Grizzlies? Hey, yeah, you said it. Uh, they're ready to compete. Overall, there's just some little, you know, kinks around the armor, uh, things they can work out because overall, I felt like, you know, they they got they got a lot better. You know, people talked about experience and things like that and how they adjust, you know, to playoff basketball. I think they did that pretty well. The difference was, I mean, you said it, uh, Dylan Brooks basically missing a couple games uh, and, you know, Stephen Adams, John Moran. So you basically had three guys. Uh, Tyus Jones, Zaire Williams, and Xavier Tillman start games who you probably didn't want to start games in that series, but it was a very competitive series. I believe the Grizzlies actually led for more minutes. Uh, We talk about the Grizzlies shooting so much. I mean, me and you have talked about on this podcast a lot about how their shooting would have to improve in the postseason. They actually shot more three, made more three-pointers in that series than Golden State. So I think we saw, you know, glimpses of, you know, kind of, what this team could be in the future going forward. But I think it was just, you know, Golden State was just a better team right now. Um, they're all machine. They made the adjustments. You know, uh, I think Taylor Jenkins, he made some adjustments. He maybe was a, a game late with the Steven Adams adjustment. I, I don't know what Steven Adams' conditioning situation was like when he first came out of health and safety protocols after game two because he only played the last five minutes or so in game three. But – I think Golden State just they were a little bit sharper with the adjustments being in that main adjustment mark. Game six, they started Kevon Looney. Uh, the Grizzlies didn't have any answer for him. 22 rebounds, 11 offensive boards, 
think he had more. He had 11 offensive boards, and I think the Grizzlies had four offensive rebounds as a team. Yeah, and I was mentioning those what ifs. One of them it will be, you know, how did I don't know if it's a what if is more of it's kind of something that's going to eat at them probably a little bit this offseason. This was the best offensive rebounding team in the league, one of the best rebounding yeah. teams in the league. And in five of the six games, they lost yep. the rebounding battle, including game six, where they got destroyed in the rebounding battle. Um, that's something that is, uh, you know, going to be something that, you know, you think back on this offseason, because especially now, you know, what we thought, what you saw during the regular season, that it felt like the Western Conference was kind of wide open has played out now that Dallas is in the Western Conference Finals against Golden State. Um, Phoenix clearly not, you know, that, you know, not invincible whatsoever. Um, and so I do think you can look at this as, man, like the Grizzlies had a legitimate shot to come out of the West this year and fell short in a series where really, for the most part, they didn't catch any breaks in that Golden State series. Um the other side of it, though, is, as you sort of pointed to, like, I don't know, I come away from this leaning more towards, you know, isn't this really kind of how it was supposed to ultimately play out? Like, teams as young as the Grizzlies, who are who, who are built organically like the Grizzlies were, like, typically they go through some of these, you know, you, you got to go through some of this, if you will, the, the, this feeling of, man, we let this slip away in order to ultimately get there in the long run. We've seen it with, you know, I know recently in the last decade with the advent of super teams, it's happened less so. But if you look at past champions who were kind of built more organically than just on the fly through free agency, like even the Raptors, like I know they added Kawhi Leonard, but like most of that team was built organically when they won a few years ago and they had to ultimately trade DeMar DeRozan to get over the top. Um, but they had to go through some playoff struggles. Um, you go back to even like Dirk Nowitzki's Dallas teams, Dallas team that won a title, same deal. Milwaukee last year, same deal. And then you go back to, you know, the, historically, you know, like even Kobe and Shaq's Lakers, had a couple years of playoff disappointments. And, um, you know, Jordan's Bulls with the Pistons and the Pistons with the Celtics. Um, you know, what the, that's sort of how I look at it is, yes, there is a very plausible way the Grizzlies could have gotten past Golden State. But it also feels like they're going, you know, not to say they wouldn't be better for it in the long run if they had won. They would have. But they'll also be better for it in the long run for losing this series, a series that, you know, in retrospect, we'll probably look back on as kind of winnable um, if things had broken the right way. Um, so, you know, ultimately, it just I, I don't know. This feels like it was pro this is probably what was supposed to happen, I guess. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah, it makes perfect sense because we we both this is what we predicted, right? Second round loss. I mean, you were right <laughs> on the money. You You had six games. Uh, I said seven, but uh, we could see it going either way because, I mean, who knows, you know, if Ja, if ja plays, uh, I mean, he was averaging 38 points, you know, in this series. Uh, we didn't get to see Ja and Steven Adams play together. And, you know, we talk about the rebounding. A lot a lot that gets lost in it is Ja being a great rebounding guard as well. So all that considered, um, yeah, it, it, was, it was the result we expected. I mean, the Warriors – 
I mean, they haven't they haven't lost in the West in what I mean the last five six it's six now six playoff appearances. They have not lost in the West. They've either you know won a championship or lost in the finals. So uh, I mean, it's just a really good strong franchise that they're playing over there. And like we said, I mean, they led for most of the series. So you you got a lot of encouraging things to take away. A lot of it was you know just late games, and we yeah. saw that twice without Morant. I mean, those fourth quarters that that kind of killed them in the last two losses. I, I did I wrote about that as well. Uh, game six, you go to the fourth quarter. It's a one point game. I believe it was seventy eight seventy seven, and then in game four, when they lost in Gold State, they were leading all the way up into the last forty five point seven seconds. Yep. So up twelve uh, with ten minutes to go. Up 12 with 10 minutes to go, right. So it's, they, you know, they went through those. That's, that's where you expect young teams to lose the game, right? You expect, you know, Golden State being a veteran, savvy team. Taylor Jenkins talked about it. Tyus Jones said it too. Uh, in that game four loss, Golden State ramped up the pressure and Memphis didn't have an answer. In game six, I think it was more of the rebounding. You know, the rebounding advantage was there all game long, but 21 second chance points in that game for Golden State. Eight well, in the first three quarters. Yeah. 13, 13 of them in the fourth. And I mean, that put the game killer. out of reach. It was, yeah, yeah they, they finally made the shots. They were missing off of all those rebounds. They, they made them in the fourth. No, and then, and then also the Grizzlies didn't have anyone to turn to down the stretch. And I do think the way it played out, I guess a silver lining is I think we can finally officially put away the storyline of the Grizzlies might be better without John Morant. Like, you saw in that Warrior series why they're not better without John Morant. You have to have, you know, to close to close out playoff games, you have to have someone like John Morant on your team. Um, and so... Um, exactly. Yeah, if there's a silver that was, lining, that the I guess it's thing. that. Like, we can put that to rest. Like, I know most sane Grizzlies fans didn't ultimately think that, but there were enough people who were giving it consideration that it's probably for the best, even just mentally for the team, that that notion got dispelled in the, in in these playoffs. I think. Exactly. So, and 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 the thing about it is, you know, they are so great through the first three quarters, right? Like, and then there was the stat, especially after that blowout win in Game Five, I believe. Uh, if you just look at the numbers, the Grizzlies were so much better. And, though, like, they had, I believe it was six games of 70-point score in the first half and leading the team by 20 or more points this season. Six times. Tyus Jones started all of those games. So there was some validity to the way that the play changed, but there also was validity to that fourth quarter. We talked about it, John Moran being, you know, at the top of the league in clutch scoring and – I mean, it showed. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's spin this forward to Michael. A really interesting offseason awaits these Grizzlies now that they have, again, you know, as as uh, Zach Kleiman put it on breakdown day yesterday, the window is open. Um, they are now big in money over there. Yeah, they are in that territory where, you know, they are, you know, whether they are you know, a favorite to win the NBA ch- title next year, that's obviously unlikely, or even one of the favorites. But we are officially in the, they are officially in the stage where from here on out, there's going to be a way you can talk yourself into them being title contenders with the nucleus they've got and what they showed this season. And 
it'll be it, what I'm interested to see here is okay. They've seen how this looks now over the course of two playoff runs. Last year, losing to Utah, and now this year, uh, losing to Golden State in the second round. It's progressing uh, faster than anyone expected, um, and progressing in a you know in a linear fashion, to steal a phrase from Kleiman. Um, so, how do they get over the top while also not messing with the, not messing too much with what is clearly a good thing? And with the draft assets they have, with the expiring contracts that they have, with the salary cap flexibility they potentially have, there are any number of directions they could go, including mostly standing pat. Um, so I guess I'm curious. We'll go. Let's go back and forth. What it, with what I guess the biggest offseason storylines for each of us are. What is your number one Memphis Grizzlies offseason storyline, DeMichael? The biggest the biggest storyline is is overall it's it's gotta be, you know, uh Dylan Brooks, I think. Uh I think, I think here I'm gonna I'm gonna widen it. Do they yeah. make a big trade? And that could involve yeah. Dylan Brooks. That to me is number storyline number one of the offseason. Do they make a big move, if you will? And my gut tells me it's not going to be signing someone through free agency. It's going to be, do they make a trade of significance this offseason? I can see, yeah. And 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 here is why I say what they do with Dylan Brooks, because the big trade is is definitely a part of it. But, I mean, you know, Mark, I, I'm a big believer in Zaire Williams as well, you know, and and we talked about, you know, a big topic of conversation in those exit interviews was, you know, Desmond Bain, who from year one to year two made an incredible jump. And he's talked about how he's going to be in the gym with Zaire. Zaire, I mean, talking to him, Mark, I thought that was as confident as he's ever sounded. He he sounded like a guy who knows, you know, I mean, or he was even told that he, he needs to be ready to play big minutes next season. He's going to be playing in summer league. So we're really going to see, you know, how his game has changed, evolved. He talked about he's excited about getting on the ball more. And he said, look, basically his entire career playing basketball, he's always been uh, a shot creator. This was the first time in his career he's kind of had to just be a spot-up shooter, uh, run the lanes and do all those things. But he kind of flourished in that role. But the Grizzlies need that guy who can, you know, create a little bit more. And he has that potential. I think if Zaire Williams takes that that leap, uh, you have an organic option there where uh, and, and, they'll, and they'll be ready to compete with him. So I think that's it comes in for me. What do you do with Dylan Brooks? And tied into that is, you know, do you seek a big trade? Uh, do you put your trust in Zaire Williams, kind of like you did with Desmond Bain when you traded Grayson Allen? Uh, it's a lot of ways to look at it, but but the big trade, you know, you're right, Mark. That's the flashy move, right? That's the move that everyone wants. But the question is going to be, who who's going to be out there that can, you know, where you can get your bang for your booking, and you won't have to, you know, reach or give up too much or feel like. Uh, you may lose, you know, a trade that kind of hurts the long-term uh, impact of, of this core that they have. Yeah, and I think it's, I think people are too focused on Dylan in the sense that, like, I also think, you know, whether it's Steven Adams or DeAnthony Melton or, frankly, even Brandon Clark, like, all those guys are on expiring deals. And I think all of them in the right, for the right person, could be on the table. Um, not to say it will be. Dylan, obviously, is well, one. Dylan... 
it's Dylan for me because the thing about Dylan is of those players that you named, mm-hmm. and I, I think his his defense is great, right? But what we saw is Dylan is very hit or miss. And you're talking about championship basketball. I I don't know if you want him starting on your championship team. That's yeah. that's where I am. I unless, you know, there could be a completely renewed Dylan Brooks next year who accepts a lesser role and says, Hey, look, I'm only gonna take 13, 12, 12, 13 shots a game, more in the rhythm of the offense, and I'm gonna play great, you know, defense and be more of a playmaker. That I mean, that could happen, but that would have to happen, in my opinion. Because I don't, I don't think the volume, the volume score, the you know, twenty-one points one night, twelve points on two of eleven uh, shooting from three-point range the next night is is good enough to get you a championship. You know, you you're gonna need more consistency there, and uh, I I think there are better ways to get it. Those other guys, you know exactly what you're gonna get from Stephen Adams. You know exactly what you're gonna get from Brandon Clark, and you. In a way, the Anthony Melton is a little more hit or miss, but he's coming off the bench. I mean, that's here, the majority here's what I, of guys off the bench in NBA. Here's what I'd say, devil's advocate here. I think there's a little bit of a recency bias on Dylan Brooks because of how horrendous that game four performance was. <laughs> um, I think what people need to keep in perspective is this is a guy who just came off an injury-plagued year. Didn't have a real offseason because yeah. he broke his hand, was in and out of the lineup, and at times where it was basically him and John Morant very rarely played together this year. And I think what you saw, especially even in the playoffs, was highlight. Like he had that game four performance, and even the game six where he scores 30 on 28 shots. I don't right, think he's right. doing that. Shoot, he doesn't shoot like that. He defers to John Morant. And so I think that, you know, I, we're, we're one season removed from, you know, like, honestly, he was like arguably the best player on the team or second and, uh, best yeah. player two years ago. Um, like, he was certainly more consistent than John Morant was two years ago. Now, his highs weren't as high as John Morant, but like, he's coming off a great year then. And now it, it's an injury plagued year. And I, I'm not saying he's untouchable. By, by no means am I saying that. But I would caution, I think it's going to be harder to upgrade from Dylan Brooks than people think. Like, I think he is a pretty good NBA Mm -hmm. player, especially when John Morant is on the floor and he has someone who he knows he has to defer to. Like, ultimately, and this may be a problem long-term that also makes you trade him, but, like, I don't think he he views Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. as equals to him. You know what I mean? Whether he's Mm -hmm. right or wrong, Mm -hmm. that's how he views it. He knows that John Morant is the straw that stirs the drink. And I think you see him play differently when Ja is out there. And the problem was he didn't get, he didn't play with Ja very much this year. Right. So right. I think there's people are looking at him based on this season. And, you know, I, I just wonder if, you know, like I said, for the right move, you absolutely do it. But I just wouldn't be ready to shove him out the door so quickly because I think finding an upgrade over him is tougher than you think. Yeah, it's yeah, no doubt about it. I, I agree with the finding an upgrade part. Because I, I also I, don't opinion, think I also don't think Zaire's gonna be ready next year. Okay. Like yeah, and that's that's kind like of he's, where yeah. Desmond Bain was four years older than him making the jump in his second year. Zaire's gonna be nineteen, twenty years old. Um and so I, I 
I find it hard. I'm, I'm not saying he won't get better or he won't eventually get there where he's replacing mm-hmm. Dylan Brooks. But I don't know if he's going to be ready to do that next year. Yeah, it's. I mean, we'll we'll see. But I, I second half Zaire Williams, we're talking about a forty percent three point shooter, you know. And and he took. We're also talking about one of the worst defenders on the team. Who's gonna? Who said his biggest goal is to get stronger? Yeah, which is probably why you know he wasn't as good. Taylor Jenkins clearly believed in him. He was the guy who was guarding Steph Curry. Uh, for most of that series when he had to start. So, and when Dylan Brooks didn't play. So, yeah, that's that's a big part of it too. But even even beyond Dylan, like you said, uh, Steven Adams is another big one on an expi- expiring contract. And then there's the extension guys. You know, Brandon Clark is eligible for an extension. Uh, Kleiman basically told us, uh, without saying it, that John Morant is, is going to get his big extension this year, which comes as no surprise. But also it was, you know, we heard John Morant say that he loves being in Memphis, which, you know, was good to hear, I think, for the fan base because you assume it. But if you don't hear it, people start to wonder things. So now, now you know, John Morant is pretty much locked in. Jaron's locked in. Desmond Bain is locked in. You have a pretty, you know, good foundational core. Now the question is, you know, what do you do around it? And, and Mark, I think that starts with, you know, Tyus Jones this summer. Yeah, what do you? What's your gut on Tyus and Kyle Anderson are the big free agents? My gut is neither of them are on this roster next season. And if I had to guess one, it would actually be Kyle on like a minimum deal because he doesn't find anything um, more so than Tyus. But I actually I think both. Yeah. I think neither will be on the roster. Not necessarily because the Grizzlies don't want them. But I think they want the flexibility, the salary cap flexibility, and they also won't be able to ultimately give those guys, both in money and in role, what they truly want. Yeah. And that's it. Kyle is, is, you know, I think that's up in the air because he can he can come back or, you know, like he like he said, if he finds something more lucrative somewhere else. He told us that he wants to win. So at the end of the day, if he wants to win is what only four or five, maybe six other teams that are comparable to what the Grizzlies uh, have done. So I could see Kyle returning on a nice, you know, veteran deal. But then when it comes to Tyus, you you mentioned the Grizzlies side of it being, you know, they may not be able to, you know, afford him. But at the end of the day, Tyus, it might just come down to the role. They may, they may want Tyus back, but Tyus may, if he gets offered a starting job, I mean, I don't think that's for anyone in any working field. If you if you are offered a starting job in the NBA, you, you why not take it? And he he did tell us it is in his desire to be a starting point guard. So when push comes to serve, if he's offered a starting job somewhere, I think it's that simple of a decision for Tyus Jones uh, compared to where Kyle. It's a it's a so if I had to make a, a good decision, I'd say Kyle. I could see returning uh, Tyus, which is the guy everyone wants Tyus back. Especially, you know, we actually talked about it a little bit, Mark, with uh, John Morant. 57 games played last year and, what, three three knee injuries? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, you know, have their questions about that. We see John Morant every night, every other game, every single game. He's, fly, he's falling on the floor. Um, I saw actually some guys who've gotten their bodies beat up. I forgot which player it was. I think someone, but someone uh, made reference to Dwayne Wade who, you know, when he was called Flash, used to fall all over the floor, everywhere. And 
later in his career, you know, we saw how the toll it took on his body. Uh, you want yeah. to see, you want to see Ja avoid that. And, and honestly, I think as a front office, you have to consider that. And if you consider that, that makes Tyus Jones that much more valuable. So if he accept, if he's getting a backup job anywhere, the Grizzlies, they have to pay. What, what, I mean, I, I think you pay him if, if it's, you know, a backup role and he says, look, I'm, I don't have any good starting opportunities out there. But if a team like the Wizards or the Knicks or the Pistons or someone is offering him a starting opportunity with, what, $12 million or more per year, uh, I mean, you just chalk it up to the game and, and you go back to the board to find someone else. Well, yeah, and I think it depends what the Grizzlies think about Ja Morant. Like, if they believe he's going to be like a 60-game-a-year player like he was this year, then you need to invest in your backup point guard. Like, we saw how valuable Tyus was this year with Ja Hurt. If you think ultimately Ja's going to more, you know, develop into a durable, more durable player, play 70, 75 games a year, well, then you don't need to invest as much in your backup point guard position. So a lot of that's on Ja developing his mid-range game, I think is going to be a key for him this summer. So he's not getting, he's not just going into the lane so much and uh, potentially uh, getting hurt and all that. So lots and lots of intriguing storylines for these Grizzlies heading into the off season. We'll be chronicling it over at commercialappeal.com. DeMichael's already got some great stuff up there already. I've got a few columns about what the off season holds that you should be reading. Also interesting stories from our Sam Hardiman on the news side about the future of the FedEx forum lease and the Memphis Grizzlies uh, relationship with the city of Memphis moving forward. Uh, now that, uh, now that this great nucleus is in place and and the FedEx Forum lease is is coming up sooner than uh, sooner than later at this point, um, so make sure you check that out as well. Um, we will have tons of coverage over the next month and a half, uh, getting you ready for the off season for the NBA draft. Grizzlies have two first round picks. We'll learn tomorrow whether they have a third via the Lakers with the NBA draft lottery. So a lot going on. A lot of coverage over at CommercialAppeal.com. We appreciate you reading and following along during the playoff run, um, but it's only uh, just starting here with this group, both with the offseason and what the future holds. We will uh, certainly have periodic podcasts throughout the offseason um, as major things happen, um, but it's going to be a fascinating, it's a fascinating time to be a Grizzlies fan. It's a, a remarkable, coming off a remarkable season, one of, if not the greatest seasons in franchise history. Um, and there's the potential for so much more. So uh, can't wait to chronicle it and, uh, and see what's next. And hopefully you'll uh, read and listen with us. Till next time, I was Mark. That was DeMichael. Thanks so much. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Enjoy the offseason. The Grizzlies Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.